Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions presents the DFS Lineup Lock Hour, sponsored by DailyRoto.com. All right, let's roll. Let's talk some DFS with one of the best DFS players in the world. DailyRoto.com's Drew Dinkmeyer joins us. And if memory serves me correctly, Drew Dinkmeyer is a Chicago Cub and Bears fan. Chicago Bears, Monday Night Football this evening. I don't know. uh, Drew's into numbers. So uh, I don't know if Drew's going to like the number that the uh, Chicago Bears, the last eight times they've been favored to win a football game. Last eight times, the Bears have been way, uh, favored to win a football game. They've only won once. They're 1-7 straight up and 1-7 against the spread. Last eight times uh, listed as a favorite. But it's a new era in the Windy City. Khalil Mack uh, wasn't uh, there uh, before. Drew Dinkmeyer joins us. Drew, always a pleasure. How you doing? I'm doing well, Gabe. How are you doing? Always a pleasure. Always uh, look forward to talking DFS with you. Before we get into tonight's uh, game, um, wow, what can you say about the NFL? Uh, you know, what a league with the unpredictability. Yet, I guess from from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, the DailyRoto.com, you guys called, you guys called the Kansas City game, and I bet the over that game, Kansas City and Pittsburgh to go over the number, but. No one could predict that Mahomes is going to throw six touchdown passes. We thought Big Ben would be the one, and it's amazing. You, you take Big Ben, he puts up massive numbers, but Mahomes still puts up bigger numbers. Yeah, that was definitely the game of the week that you had to have exposure to, and it was also strange that in a game that you know the two quarterbacks combined for like ten touchdowns, Antonio Brown doesn't score a single touchdown. It was just a, it was a strange game uh, on the whole. But Pat Mahomes through two weeks of the NFL season has to be one of the biggest stories of the season. I mean, the Chiefs perennial contenders uh, out out in the AFC West, and they trade their quarterback. They go all in on this young quarterback that they drafted the year before, and here they are setting the world off on fire offensively against two teams that coming into the season were considered to be you know above average kind of Super Bowl contenders in the Chargers and the Steelers. So uh, incredible start from Patrick Mahomes to start that way on two road games against two pretty strong opponents. Yeah, really, great, awesome, awesome start. And speaking of awesome starts, so Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, lit it up in week one, and Fitz has done this before, right? It's not like we haven't seen this from him before where he'll have a massive game and then he'll sort of regress back to who he was after the fact. Um, but there he is again this week doing, doing the same thing. Did you see this coming uh, back-to-back weeks and against that Philadelphia defense? Like going into the week, what did you – was it like, well, I'll get a little piece of fits again, or was it just sort of a one-off the week before? No, I was skeptical. I was really skeptical. You know, we've seen Fitzpatrick through the years, and the guy takes chances. And so against a, a Philadelphia 
you know, front four uh, that can get a lot of pressure and rotates a lot of defensive linemen. I thought this would be a challenging matchup for him, but he comes out there first play of the game, 75-yard touchdown to Deshaun Jackson. And now, you know, the upcoming week gets the Steelers defense who just got torched by Mahomes. So next Monday night will be really exciting to see if, if Fitzpatrick can keep it going because at this point, if they go 3-0, Jameis Winston's not coming back after suspension and starting, you would think. Um, he's Fitzpatrick's really leveraging the great talent at the skill position players uh, that the Bucks have acquired with, you know, drafting Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and OJ Howard and uh, bringing in Deshaun Jackson. They just have a plethora of talent and Fitzpatrick's making it work right now with, with no running game behind him at all, just all on his shoulders. It really is. It really is unbelievable. Who are uh, some of uh, any other uh, surprise players that have surprised you with their production so far this year? You know, I think those are the two guys that kind of stand out the most. I think Deshaun Jackson, you know, after last season having a down season with uh, just a ton of air yards, but not a lot of conversions on those air yards, a career low in yards per target. It's nice to see him, uh, you know, at the later stages of his career, you'd expect uh, cashing in kind of really early in the season. And I'd say, you know, from a surprise, from a disappointment um, standpoint, you know, early in the season, the the Saints to – to really not take advantage of that soft schedule to start with, you know, Tampa Bay and Cleveland both at home and to barely eke out a win in that in that second game. It seems like they're really they're really missing the presence of the uh, of Mark Ingram to be able to get themselves into kind of situations early on that are, you know, second and sixes, second and fives, uh, leaning a little bit too much on Drew Brees' shoulders early in the season and uh, not being able to play as consistent of football as we saw towards the end of last season. You know who's disappointing me a little bit is, uh, is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more from Deshaun Watson. I mean, okay, I gave him a pass in week one. It was against the Patriots. You know, Patriots, um, it's a tough place to play. He was hurt last year for, for the most part of the season, so he hadn't played in a long time. Yet, you know, struggling again yesterday. And, you know, if season-long leagues, he was drafted pretty highly. I haven't taken him in DFS, so I've, I've backed off. Um, I've backed off both times. At least I haven't taken him. But just overall, a little bit of a soft, sophomore slump here for, for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I actually had him in some cash game lineups on DraftKings yesterday. And from a fantasy perspective, the performance went fine. But if you watched that game, what you saw was his receivers really bailing him out. Um, a lot of times he was throw, making throws into contested double coverage. And Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins were just making great plays. Um, and the fact that, you know... He was a guy last year that in a small sample was, you know, breaking touchdown rate records. We knew that would regress, but the chances that he's taken and the fact that he's been completely under siege uh, early in the season from the struggles of the Houston Texans offensive line make you concerned about his value going forward. All right, so let's talk about uh, tonight's uh, football game. Cam, it's too bad Cam have to leave, has to leave on Mondays. Um, you like talking to him. He's actually a Seahawk fan, uh, but <laughs> he likes the Bears. He likes the Bears tonight. He's all worried uh, about this football game. Um, one thing with me, you know, I thought it was an overreaction, Drew, with the with the Jets' win on Monday. And with the Jets being favored against the Dolphins and Sam Darnold this and the Jets that. And, you know, it was a short week. I thought to be a little bit um, a little bit of a regression. Now, and I don't know, you're a Bears fan, so I don't know how you feel about this. It's like I missed something, like the Bears actually won the game last week. Or that they didn't fall apart in the second half. Or Mitch Trubisky didn't only average 4.9 yards per pass. It's like, yeah, Khalil Mack looked good. They played good in a half of football. I can't justifiably, from a betting perspective, I look at this. They're four and a half point favorites now, Drew. So Chicago need to win this game by five times, by five points to win your bet. 
You as a Bears fan, do you have confidence in them? As I stated, the last eight times they've been asked to win a football game and cover the spread. They did it once. It just seems like the acceleration of the Bears' growth might be being pushed a little bit by their fan base. Hey, I'm happy for you guys. You're going in the right direction, but I'm not so sure how you're suddenly a great football team right now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things that go go into what the line movement has had. One, you know, if you look at if you look at the first half of that game against Green Bay, the Bears weren't in control of it. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but they they were basically a third and one away from sealing that game, and that was the the most frustrating thing as a Bears fan uh, last week is the fact that they didn't run it on third and one, then they didn't even go for it on fourth and one. Instead, choosing to extend a lead from three to six with two minutes left, which means nothing if you're a Bears fan because you've seen Aaron Rodgers score game-winning touchdowns on you your whole life, basically. So it was it was very defensive uh, coaching from Matt Nagy, very disappointing, given the fact that you know historically the Bears have, have struggled as favorites because they've been they've played very defensively with John Fox. So the fact that John Fox is not with the team this year, I have a little bit more confidence. Uh, but I think what's pushing the line this week is all these injuries for Seattle. No Doug Baldwin. It looks like, you know, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright are going to be out as well. The the defense is is not this, the same that it was in the past with Seattle. And now they've lost some of their best players. You know, a Monday night home game for the Bears with Seattle having to come off of playing in altitude last week. I think those are some of the reasons that's pushing the number forward on the Bears. But I would yeah. say this. I felt much more comfortable when the number was at three or three and a half than I would at four and a half. So let's talk. And we have somebody asking in the chat right now about um, in a DraftKings format with the King here this evening. Who do you put the crown on, Drew? Is it Russell Wilson? Yeah, I think, well, we ran some simulations. Uh, Mike Leone, uh, one of the partners over at Daily Roto, ran simulations earlier today. And Russell Wilson's, you know, the top projected player, and he finishes as, like, the number one overall player. I'm trying to pull these sim- simulations up again. Um, in 25% of the of the simulations on DraftKings tonight, finishes as the number one score. Now, the challenge with DraftKings is the fact that they make you pay one and a half times as well for that production. So if you look at kind of some of our optimal lineups, they actually choose to not have Russell Wilson in the captain spot and have Mitchell Trubisky instead of the captain spot because it allows you to fit a little bit more balanced lineup on the whole. But we have those two along with Jordan Howard as being the guys that you would you would mostly consider for that captain spot um, as those being the three highest projected scorers on the slate. So in a DraftKings format with the flex, you can play two quarterbacks. You can play defense. You can play whatever you want. Um, is it automatic that you play two quarterbacks in this format? Not necessarily. In a lot of games, it will. But in games that you think could be low scoring, uh, it, it's certainly a contrarian strategy in GPPs to maybe load up on just one side and hope that it's a blowout. And so you would avoid kind of the other quarterback and maybe take a receiver instead from that other side, knowing that if if let, let's say you think Chicago is going to blow out Seattle, you load up on Chicago skill players, you bring it back with one Seattle receiver. And if the game script, plays Drew, I did it, you think. I did it last week to try to be contrarian with your Bears and the Packers. I took Trubisky. <laughs> I took Howard. I loaded up. I took Devontae Adams only. And I didn't have Aaron Rodgers. And I took the Bears defense and special teams. They got like 28 points. It was crazy. And I was like 17th at one point <laughs> in a tournament. And Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And I thought, wow, man, you might have really be falling ass backwards into this tonight, Marancy. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers, son of a bitch, has to come back. And, man, did I plumb it. I felt like a drunk guy down the steps, Drew, my, my, where I was in the standings. 
Yeah, well, I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers wasn't too far behind you with that post-game interview. Um, I'm still not – the yeah, drugs yeah. that they have in the NFL are, are really something. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, – He gen- denies it. He says he, it, says he wasn't on anything. <laughs> I mean, come on. My knee! Um, he, so I think, I think the idea behind these showdown contests is you, you want to build with intent. You want to kind of create a story in your mind of how the game is going to go. If you think the two teams are going to shoot out. Yeah. You want the two quarterbacks. If you think one team is going to dominate, you want to load up on their side of the ball and then bring it back with like a receiver from the other team. Cause they're the most likely ones to benefit. So if you thought Seattle was going to blow out Chicago, you'd want Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. So is tonight a two quarterback night? Is tonight a two quarterback night or no? I think it's a little bit in between. I think it's up in the air because I do see scenarios where this game could play really slow and really low scoring. In that situation, it might not be a two-quarterback game. But the challenge here is that Seattle's offense is kind of difficult to figure out without Doug Baldwin. And if they don't spread it around and instead they end up being you know, really concentrated with a lot of the targets to Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall, it will be more of a quarterback night. The nights that it's not a quarterback night are the nights where you have a lot of potential skill players that can kind of outperform and a lot of passes being thrown. If the game plays really slow with a lot of rush opportunities, then the quarterback usually has a better chance at outperforming the receivers because they're not getting a lot of volume. And with Jordan Howard and the Bears running game and the Seahawks having Brian Schottenheimer, who likes to run the ball, I could see it being a slower paced game where there's not as many points total, which makes the quarterbacks less compelling. All right, let's talk about the Seattle wide receiver position. Uh, You can't tune into the fantasy sports radio or television network and listen for more than 15 minutes without somebody taking a pot shot at Tyler Lockett and saying about how bad he is. Um, So now he gets an opportunity. You know, he's had opportunities, but now this is the real opportunity here, Drew. Do you expect him? What do you expect from Tyler Lockett? And is he playable tonight? Or is it a must-play because of the situation? Or do you like Marshall? Talk to me about the Seattle uh, wide receivers. Yeah, we like Lockett a little bit more than Marshall. We think he's a more explosive player for sure. The question ultimately will come down to who's the favored receiving target. And, you know, Tyler Lockett is not a guy that has commanded a high market share of targets in the past. Even last week when Doug Baldwin went out early, it was still more Brandon Marshall. He's been more of the target hog. But I think with a full week to kind of game plan, they'll try to find ways to get the ball in the hands of their playmaker and Tyler Lockett a little bit more. But this Seattle side is definitely the side to take chances on with the back end of the receiving court because there's so much in flux. Um, we saw last week Will Disley outperform Nick Vanette uh, strongly, but Nick Vanette's really cheap, and he played more snaps than Disley last week. Um, you've got Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall stepping into more uh, considerable roles, but also Jerron Brown. There are also reports that C.J. Procise might be used as a receiver this week. So because they lose Doug Baldwin, it's kind of like last night with you know the Cowboys receivers. You can work yourself down the depth chart in these GPPs a little bit more and take some chances, and those who did it last night with Tavon Austin were certainly rewarded. So I think Tyler Lockett's a good play. I think most of the Seattle receivers are better plays than the Bears receivers tonight simply because the Seattle receivers are cheaper. So you're going... We go running back, then Jordan Howard, Bears, and then Seattle uh, wide receivers. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. And I think, you know, certainly if you're building like a cash game lineup, you probably want both quarterbacks in there. But if you're building a GPP tournament lineup, you can certainly consider building lineups that have just one of those quarterbacks. But I think most lineups will have Jordan Howard, Russell Wilson, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, at least two of those three, and then kind of differentiate at the wide receivers. And I think, you know, if you're playing one lineup, that's probably the right approach. But if you're playing like five, 10 lineups, you want to work down your, the, that Seattle wide receiver depth chart a little bit more because, 
you know, a guy like Nick Vinette is, you know, like 2,200. Um, a guy like uh, Jerome Brown is just 3,800. Um, and those guys, you know, if, if you're, if you're just like last night, if you happen to catch the right play in these single game slates with a Tavon Austin, he's a slate winner. You know, that's the thing with Seattle's offense, as you mentioned, especially now with no Baldwin. Um, I mean, they drafted Rashad Penny pretty high, so obviously they want to use him. Um, you know, he's, is he going to shake the rust off? We really are throwing darts when we're guessing with Seattle. I mean, you know, anytime you think they have a running back locked in, they don't, right? They 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 switch it up, and now you got Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson's projected so high. I'm just worried. Who the hell is he going to throw the football to? <laughs> like it's just it's a weird offense. It's really hard to break down Seattle. Like yeah, as a betting and- man, I'm really just sort of blindly betting on Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? I can't say, yeah. well, I have this, I have that to hang my hat on. Well, I have Russell Wilson, and he's going to try to make it happen. That's what I have my my hang, my hat to hang on. In in most weeks, you know when you're playing like a full DFS slate, it's easy to get to say, oh, I can just play Russell Wilson and I don't necessarily have to pair him because he's got such rushing upside and he's going to spread it around so much. But on these single game slates, if you're playing Russell Wilson, you probably want to pair him with someone that's a receiver because if he's throwing touchdowns, it's likely to someone else on his team. Hey, I always enjoy talking football with you, Drew. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Gabe. For complete analysis and lineups and optimizers, go to dailyroto.com, guys, to get the premium content. Premium, dude, premium. Game time decisions, lineup block live continues. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. Okay, so, um, yeah, what do you have for dessert? Yeah, give me the chocolate fudge brownie cheesecake. That's fine. Okay, thank you. Game time decisions. Yes, I'm aware I'm in, bro. I know I'm aware. Thank you. Game time decisions, Red Heat and Rage uh, Radio. I got guys in the booth telling me I'm in. I've been doing a radio show for 17 years, bro. I know when the music starts playing that I'm in, all right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So, um... Red Heat and Rage Radio, game time decisions, lineup lock live. I'm ordering a pizza in between a break. I got the guys, you're in, you're in. It's like, dude, I'm aware, I'm in. The music can play for two seconds, bro, <laughs> like, without, without me talking. All right, so uh, I don't even have time to order a pizza in between, in, in between a break here. All right, so thanks to Drew Dinkmeyer uh, for joining us, uh, joining us on the show. Interesting, uh, interesting Drew's uh, take here tonight on this game. Listen, it is, it is a tough game for uh, for DFS purposes in a single-game showdown in that 
what's the script of this game? Like, uh, like Drew said, when you're playing DFS in these single-game showdowns, you need to build a script in your head. How is the game going to go? How is the game going to go? How is this game going to go tonight? I don't know. I have a hard time believing that any games are low-scoring anymore in the National Football League. I know the Giants game was last night because, because the, um, the Giants are just, quite frankly, inept offensively. And the Cowboys were efficient, but the Cowboys milked the clock, actually. So that's going to be something to keep our eye on moving forward. You remember a couple of years ago when they had Elliott, the Cowboys were very, very successful. Cowboys were very successful by playing ball control. People criticize Garrett, and I've criticized Garrett. Listen, Garrett wouldn't be my coach, but if there's one thing that Garrett does do well, if it's going his way, he is good at milking the clock and and limiting the other team's possessions. And quite frankly, even when Tony Romo, um, even when Tony Romo was the quarterback and they were loaded with talent and stuff, the Cowboys never really played an up-tempo pace of, pace of football. But I think that they've realized they rest their defense, keep their, keep their defense off the field. The Cowboys have a good young defensive line and stuff. Keep your, keep your defense off the field and, and just rush the football. It's, it's a recipe for success. So, you know, the game stays under the number uh, doing that. Now, Chicago Bears, I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to, to gauge this game tonight for fantasy purposes, even betting purposes as well, to be honest, because of the fact that the Chicago Bears are new. It's a new offense. It's a new coach. It's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new everything. You know, Matt Nagy's a new coach. You know, Mark Helfrich is, is not only just new to the Chicago Bears, but uh, Mark Helfrich is, uh, is new, you know, new to the National Football League. He's never coached in the NFL. So we don't know their plays, right? Like the, the Bears are going to run some plays tonight that Seattle have never seen before. Now, are they going to be good plays? We don't know. You know. Time will tell. And then you get Seattle on the other hand. Seattle are kind of weird. I mean, if you look at their team, they're wasting Russell Wilson. I almost look at Russell Wilson like I look at Mike Trout being wasted in the sense of Russell Wilson's one of the best players in the league, not just like best quarterbacks in the league. He's one of the best overall players in the league. And you really just have surrounded him with a pile of steaming, you know, crap. I'll be, I'll be nice with the language. A uh, steaming pile of crap. So... You know, Russell Wilson's kind of on his own here. I mean, who the hell is Rashad Penny and Carson and Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall? It's, it's actually a disgrace if you think about it. You know, the Seattle Seahawks were a trendy team. They were sort of the it kids on the block for a couple of years. They made a ton of freaking money. All right. They've sold a lot of merchandise, their season tickets, luxury suites. Seattle is a very, very um, affluent city. And you look pretty much after they after their little run and stuff. Very, it must be a Pacific Northwest thing because the Vancouver Canucks did the same thing in the NHL. The Vancouver Canucks went to the, the Vancouver Canucks were a very good franchise for years, and they finally like got really good, made it to the Stanley Cup, nearly won the cup. It went seven games. Like they pretty much made it as far as you can get without winning, with the exception of like losing an overtime in Game Seven or something. But they lost in a Game Seven to the Bruins. Of course, they had the famous riot. And they were okay the following year, but, you know, as soon as they went to the Cup, they raised ticket prices. Um, they raised ticket prices. And 
you know, immensely. And then, you know, their team got worse. They didn't keep the championship caliber team together. The Toronto Blue Jays did the same thing. Like, there's a pattern here in which sports teams basically scam their fans. Like, as soon as a team gets good, they raise the ticket price. And, oh, this is premium, and, you know, the the parking is more, and, you know, we're such a hot brand. And then suddenly your team sucks, but you don't lower the price then after, do you? I'm telling you, like Seattle, I've said this forever. I've been saying this for the last, like, you know, let's say five years. You know, listen, I'm old. I've been around. And Seattle were never a popular team. There were, there, you know, you had your odd guy. And Raging Red at Camp Stewart grew up a Seattle fan for one reason or another. You know, you had your Steve Largent. You know, Seattle never, Seattle were just sort of a generic franchise. They never did anything. You know, they had Steve Largent. They had Kurt Warner. I remember Chuck Knox in the 80s. I was a Buffalo Bill fan. You know, I remember so with Fort Knox and stuff. And he went to Seattle after Buffalo. You know, I remember Seattle as like a wild card team once in a while, you know, as a kid. They, you know, they'd be a wild card team. And, um, you know, they were never really in anything franchise. I don't even think they sold the games out at the kingdom, to be honest. And then, you know, they went with those neon jerseys, the new stadium. They got good. Their fans were sort of freakish and stuff. And they, they became really trendy. But... They became really trendy, but now they're not really good. And I'm curious to see, you know, their whole 12th man bullshit and all that type stuff. I'm curious to see if it continues while they're not very good. And quite frankly, I'll say it doesn't. I don't think it will. I think the Seahawks were a trendy team at the time, but I don't don't think it continues. And... It's every year, if you look at the Seahawks, every year it's the same thing with this team where they don't want to pay anybody. Like every year there's like a big holdout, you know, except with Russell Wilson. And we hear now the stories. And listen, I think that a lot of these players on the Seahawks that aren't there anymore are jerks, okay? I think Richard Sherman talks too much and just should shut up. I think Michael Bennett should shut up. Um, you know, these guys ripping Russell Wilson and ripping Pete Carroll on the way out is pretty classless. Now, they blame Pete Carroll for that Super Bowl still. They do. And I should blame him, too. I lost money on that. Pete Carroll, I do believe that they were so sure they were going to score that they didn't want to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I think they didn't want Marshawn Lynch being the most valuable player of the game. They wanted Russell Wilson to get be the MVP of the game. And I think they were worried that Marshawn Lynch was going to take a penalty after he scored. I think it was a combination of both things. Yet, the Seattle players never accepted it. You know, part of me gives, gives them credit in the sense that we know they care. I mean, they're still pissed off all these years later. I mean, oftentimes we talk, oh, players don't really care about winning. And, you know, we care more, fans care more than, than, than they do, actually. But you know that the Seattle Seahawks players care because it's been three years or whatever the hell it's been, and they're still bitching about it all the time. Like Richard Sherman essentially thinks that Pete Carroll and Bavel cost him, cost him another Super Bowl ring, and you can't argue it. They should have won the game. They had the ball, was first down, you're on the half-yard line. I don't know how you screw that up. Uh, you know, I don't, like, really. 
I don't know why you threw it. I'm still to this day. I don't know why you threw the ball. Like, if you wanted Russell Wilson to be the guy, then let Russell Wilson just QB sneak it in, and Russell Wilson scores a touchdown and wins the MVP. I, like, I don't, I don't get it. So the animosity is very, very deep in Seattle. It really is. Now, Earl Thomas is still there, and he's part of that clique. Now, Richard Sherman's gone, and now Michael Bennett's gone, and we heard the stories. I remember years ago hearing the stories, and we know it's true because it's been confirmed after the fact that Richard Sherman, like, intercepted intercepted Russell Wilson in a practice and threw the ball at him. Like, he threw the ball at his feet, and he said, you effing suck, and he, you know, he went crazy and started talking smack and stuff to Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll then pulled in, pulled Richard Sherman aside and said, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, stop doing that. And Richard Sherman said, you know, he's, he's a member of the team, and that's the way we talk to each other here. We're trying to toughen this guy up. And Pete Carroll said, Russell Wilson doesn't need to be toughened up, and he won't react well to this. It's not a good idea. So the Seattle players, and you remember there was a report a couple of years ago, essentially, that Russell Wilson wasn't black enough, that he wasn't part of the team, that he wasn't a brother enough, that he didn't go out with him. And, you know, it was more that he's sort of the teacher's pet. So Russell Wilson was kind of is protected by Pete Carroll. And I guess in, pra- in, in film sessions, Pete Carroll isn't shy of showing anybody up. Like, Pete Carroll will yell at people and embarrass people, and and most NFL coaches will. So Pete Carroll will call people out, but the Seahawks players say that you never call Russell Wilson out, though, do you? So there's real animosity there. And you have the Super Bowl thing, you have the Russell Wilson, the the personality clash, the, the personality clash. There really is sort of a, um, you know, there, there's a lot of turmoil with this team. Now, the thing is, Russell Wilson and all quarterbacks are treated differently. So, I mean, you know, Richard Sherman's an idiot. Now, Michael Bennett's another story. I mean, whatever. Michael Bennett's another story. And Michael Bennett's the one. Sherman used to get go after uh, Wilson all the time. Michael Bennett goes after Pete Carroll. And Michael Bennett says that, oh, you know, the Seahawks, uh, that everybody tunes Pete Carroll out. You know, that Pete Carroll's too rah-rah, it's college-type stuff, and after a few years, you tune it up. So I actually think it's better that a lot of these older dudes are gone. I think it's better that a lot of these older dudes are gone that are on the Seattle Seahawks and that they have fresher players now. If Michael Bennett is saying that he used to put headphones on when Pete Carroll used to talk, and Richard Sherman's he still bitches about the Super Bowl and about how Russell Wilson this, Russell Wilson that, I got to tell you, like, I'm not big on these, oh, this guy's playing the team that he used to play for games. They're all right, but they get, they get overrated. You know, and the NBA feast off this stuff. The NFL, you know, you don't have as much player movement. But San Francisco with Richard Sherman versus Russell Wilson really will be interesting. Only because it's real. You know, like there's certain times or certain teams, like Chris Paul 
Chris Paul versus the Clippers was real. I never realized how much the Clipper players didn't like Chris Paul, but every night they didn't. And you saw it was real. It was animosity. They nearly fought after the game. They tried to fight in the in a tunnel after the game. Like Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson, that's real animosity. And Sherman's gonna, you know, Sherman's really gonna want to intercept him and talk smack. And Russell Wilson's really gonna want to shut him up. Now, speaking of which, in that, there was a lot of smack talk leading into the Patriot and the Jag game with um, with Rob Gronkowski and Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey doing most of the talking, but, you know, he kind of backed it up. Now, it's interesting. Jalen Ramsey was not on Rob Gronkowski once yesterday. But Rob Gronkowski was a non-factor in the football game. And to be honest, Jalen Ramsey never said that I was going to... Sh- he never said, I'll shut Rob Gronkowski down. He said, Rob Gronkowski's overrated. He said, Gronkowski's good, but he's not this great, you know, he's not this, you know, beast that everyone says he is. I think Rob Gronkowski, I think the injuries could be catching up to him a little bit. He's not as fast as he was a couple of years ago. The separation off the line of scrimmage isn't there. The, uh, he's, he's not separating, like... You're noticing now people are able to cover him a little bit more. That's the thing with the Patriots. They look good one week, and then Tom Brady looks old another week, and then he looks good again. One of these weeks, they're going to stay bad. And I don't know when it's coming. I thought it was coming, like, next year. And it, it could be this year, actually. Their, their, their reign of terror could be over. Like, they're, they're not as good as Jacksonville. And I made a mistake in, the, in my bet yesterday, but Jacksonville got robbed in the playoff game last year against them. And Jacksonville clearly remembered that, and they punched him in the freaking mouth yesterday. I remember years ago against Denver, when uh, the Denver Broncos beat the Patriots, Peyton Manning and stuff, and they went to the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady looked old in the game. If you guys remember the game, the Patriots, like, got stuffed inside the 10, like, 10 times in the game. Like, literally, they had the ball. They literally had the ball inside the Denver, like, 12-yard line, like, four times, and I think got six points. Like, they picked Brady off in the end zone once. They sacked him. They moved him out of field goal. It was like, they just terrorized Brady. And I remember seeing, and everyone was talking about Peyton Manning was old, and, oh, you got to manage Peyton Manning. And I remember thinking, wow, Brady just aged. Like, Brady just suddenly looks old. Like, Brady's not a young dude. And if you're an aggressive defense, you can make Tom Brady look old. And the Jacksonville Jaguars made Tom Brady look old yesterday. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sending the, the Jags to the Super Bowl just yet, but they did make it to the, to the AFC Conference Championship game last year. It's not as if, though, um, you know, we're going out on a limb here by saying the Jags. The thing is, is 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 Blake Bortles really going to the Super Bowl? Is Blake Bortles a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? Maybe he is. Maybe he is. And you know, Blake Bortles actually balled yesterday. He played well. Speaking of the Patriots, um, we talked about it off the top of the program. They got Josh Gordon. The music's playing, so this means we're going to a break. <laughs> I'm just busting. I love you guys in the booth. It's all good. 
but I was just, I was, you know, I'm ordering a pizza. I got, I'm ordering a pizza in one ear, and I got these guys telling me I'm on. I know I'm on. When the music plays, we're on. We're always on, baby. Game time decision continues. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. stuff I got going on right in front of me here. I'll get the video here. We're live chat video. These squirrels are going on. They're pretty crazy. And this squirrel's about to jump off his leg. Some great stuff. I don't see a lot of nature. It's a game time decisions, suburban edition. Uh, of the program as uh, we're in the studio uh, rehearsing. Uh, we're on the road. That's why we weren't on Carton and Friends uh, today. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, guys, to Studio uh, 34. And uh, we'll be back uh, with Carton and Friends and everybody else. But uh, Red Heat and Rage Radio uh, plows on while we're on the road. I offered to check in with Carton, but uh, Carton doesn't like Skype. He doesn't like phones. Uh, Carton doesn't like anything, basically. So he uh, doesn't like a lot of things. So... <laughs> Um, that's all good. Uh, that's all good. It gives us uh, time to practice with the band. We got a jam in earlier in the day. Um, but uh, we're ready to rock and roll here with you guys. A lot of fun with Cam. The show flew by today. I don't know if you guys with the video stream can pick up those squirrels. That they, they were flying. They were like flying squirrels. They're going at each other, like jumping off of things. And they seem to be buddies. I think it might be the kids. One of them seems to be pretty young. So the countdown is, I'm going to Seattle, Seattle and the Chicago Bears here tonight, Major League Baseball as well. We talked with Cam a little bit, and like I said earlier, that's how you know it's a good show or not. If the show drags, then it sucks, right? I mean, if you tune in, you're like, wow, I can't believe three hours. Like, this is fast three hours. It's funny because I told the guys in the rehearsing, we stopped right around like 328 or so. And I got, we got really into the jam, and we started at like 1.30 or something, and time just flew by. I didn't even realize. I was like, holy man, I nearly missed, you know. I got to keep, keep my eye on the clock here. Um, so, um, yeah, we started jamming, and I told the guys after, all right, I got to do a show. I got I to gotta do, do, do a radio show. And they're like, how long is the radio show? I said, three hours. They're like, three hours? They're like, what the hell are you going to talk about for three hours? I thought, I said to them, I said, that's a good question. <laughs> and they're like... You do three hours every day. I'm like, well, I do more than that, but yeah. They're like three hours at once. But uh, hey, here we are right now. It's uh, two hours and 44 minutes in. This show actually flew by. Great, good times. So I said, yeah, we didn't do a, uh, we haven't done a market watch check. And we do a market watch. We check in and see how profitable or unprofitable Major League Baseball teams have been on the year for you. 
And, uh, man, the Boston Red Sox, you're making money, man. That's the good thing about betting on baseball. If you just keep it simple, you bet on the good teams every day, you'll make money. People don't want to do it, though. People don't want to do it because they're like, well, I don't want to lay minus 280 with the, with the Red Sox every day. But, yeah, but if you do it, they, if you would have done it this year, they've won 103 games already. If you bet $100 on every Boston Red Sox game, you are up $3,542. So, think, if you put $500 on every Red Sox game this year, you're up $17,000. If you put $1,000 on every Red Sox game, you're up 35000 This is interesting. The New York Yankees are money burners. Even though they're 91 and 58, the Yankees are such a publicly bet team. The Yankees are actually minus $1,188. I don't know how that's possible, but they are. Tampa Bay have been red hot, man. They're they're really profitable. You're up $2,299 betting on Tampa Bay. Blue Jays, we told you guys that it was a great bet to take the Blue Jays under 80, 81 wins. 81 and a half wins. The Blue Jays to win that total would have to have been 82 and 80. There was no way in hell they were going to be 82 and 80. They're not a they're not a better than 500 baseball team. They're 67 and 82 right now, and uh, they're down 978 dollars on the year. The Baltimore Orioles are a train wreck. They're 43 and 106. They're down 5,350 dollars. Like if there's some dude that's stupid enough that lives in Baltimore that bet with a bookie every day this year. Just say, hey, I take the Orioles every day type of guy. You're down $5,000. You, know, you bet 200 a game, you're down 10000 If you bet $1,000 a game on every Baltimore Oriole game this year, you're down $53,000. This is amazing. And I've, I told you guys this earlier. It's kind of getting late in the baseball season now. Every time football shows up, we all get preoccupied. But every team in the American League Central loses money. The Cleveland Indians are down $2,335. The Minnesota Twins are down $1,479. The Detroit Tigers are down $352. The Chicago White Sox are down $1,284. The Kansas City Royals are down $2,475. Wow. The American League West has been a profitable one for a few teams. Houston, no. Houston are 94 and 55, but they're so heavily favored all the time. Their their unit, you're down $400 if you bet on every Houston game. If you bet on every Oakland Athletic game, and the Athletics are now 30 games over 500. But the thing is with the A's, the A's are often pickums, right? Like earlier, the Houston Astros have been monster favorites all year long. So the Oakland Athletics are like minus 110, minus 130, plus 120. You know, the A's were underdogs a lot, so. Even though they have a worse record than Houston, look at the difference because of the odds. Perception, reality. $3,556 you're up if you bet on every Oakland game. Uh, Seattle, $983. Angels, you're down 914 Texas, you're down 469 The Atlanta Braves, big surprise this year. The Braves, you're up $1,746 if you bet $100 a game. Everyone else has lost money. Philadelphia were up but early. They they were they were they were a good team earlier in the year, but they've just fallen apart. They've given all the money back. Now you're down $116. The Washington Nationals have been a train wreck this year. They're down $2,230. The New York Mets have actually played well over the last couple of days or last week or so. That doubleheader the other night when we were in sports book. Uh, they're down $1,013. Uh, $1, Miami are brutal, but they're such big underdogs all the time. They're only down $383. The, NH, the NL Central is the, the best division of baseball. Four teams are making money, although not much. The Chicago Cubs are 87-62. and 62. 
Uh, they're 87 and 62, but you're only up $167. Milwaukee are up $1,469. The St. Louis Cardinals are up $304. The Pittsburgh Pirates are up $68. The Cincinnati Reds, minus $972. Colorado, profitable team. If you bet on every Colorado Rocky game this year, $100 bet, you're up $1,476. The Dodgers, my Dodgers, man, the Dodgers are monster favorites all the time. You're down $2,660. And look, the Dodgers are 14 games over 500, and you're still down 2700 bucks. Arizona, you're down $585. San Francisco were up, but uh, they've been on a horrible run, and suddenly they're minus 275 And uh, finally, in closing, we got the San Diego Padres, and... That's one minus one thousand two hundred and sixty-two dollars. Yeah, our boy T Bone, who lives in Denver, used to live in Vegas. He's you're right. Uh, you know, our boys in the chat are saying T Bone's up money. <coughs> T Bone pretty much does bet every every game. So let's get into some of these props. What's the long field goal prop for tonight? Longest field goal scored. I'll say it's going to be forty-four and a half, and that is why I get the big bucks. It is forty-four and a half. Player total rush yards. Now, Russell Wilson's going to be running for his life. Chris Carson, over under 41 and a half rushing yards. Rashad Penny, over under 29 and a half rushing yards. Russell Wilson, over under and a half, over under 28 and a half rushing yards. Jordan Howard, 74 and a half. I took Jordan Howard to go over 72 and a half against Green Bay last week, and he got there. Number feels, I liked it better last week. Mitchell Trubisky, 19 and a half. Is Trubisky really going to run for 20 yards? He rushed for 32 yards in the first game. That's why this number is kind of high. He only threw for a buck 71. Russell Wilson rushed last week. Only for five yards. Two two rushing attempts, five yards. Carson got the, the more carries last week, but not really too many. Seven. That's the thing. You can't we can't bet the props, rushing props on Seattle. We don't know how many times Carson's gonna get the ball. We don't know how many times Penny's gonna get the ball. So let's look at the wide receiver props. Now total sacks. Is five and a half. If this prop was four and a half, I would go over. I've had success betting this over four and a half. We talked about it earlier in the program. Offensive line play sucks in the NFL. More and more quarterbacks are running for their life all the time. But six sacks is a lot of sacks. And Russell Wilson is pretty elusive. So we'll stay away from the sack prop. I will go with the long, our prototypical long field goal prop, 44 and a half. It's a fair number. Chris Carson, over under 12 rushing attempts. Jordan Howard, over under 17 and a half rushing attempts. Let's get into some of these quarterback props. Total pass completions. Russell Wilson, 20 and a half. Mitch Trubisky, 20 and a half. Russell Wilson, last week against the Denver Broncos, completed 19 passes only. Mitch Trubisky completed last. What was Trubisky, 17? No, 20. Wow, 23. I'm trying to find some props here for you guys. The problem is, as I stated a few minutes ago, Seattle, you don't know what they're going to do. 
You got Carson and Penny. Both really don't get the ball. Mitch Trubisky threw 23 times last week, but it was kind of a wild game against the Packers. Total passing yards. Trubisky is uh, 224.5. Russell Wilson, 242.5. Let's go with, let's see what we got for player total receptions. Tyler Lockett, three and a half. Brandon Marshall, three and a half. Tyler Lockett last week caught three balls. He was targeted four times. Look, these guys really aren't going to have a choice. He's got to throw it to someone. I would go over with both Lockett and with Marshall. They both had three catches last week. Now there's no Doug Baldwin. Like, who's Russell Wilson? He's going to throw it to the running backs a couple of times, but... I mean, I like this prop better, three and a half with Lockett, than I do with Marshall. Because I can see them doing like a shovel pass and little dinks and dunks to Lockett to try to get his speed in open field. But I could live with going over with both of them. It's not a lot, three and a half. I mean, you know, who who is, like, put it this way. Russell Wilson's over-under completion prop is 20 and a half. So the sports books are saying that they think he's going to either complete 20 or 21 passes tonight. That's why it's 20 and a half. If he's going to complete 20, either 20 or 21 passes, more than three and a half of them have to be to Ty Lockett. Now, Marshall will be the one going down the field more. Marshall will be the one in the red zone. So I like to bet better with Lockett. You know, Lockett's the one to lock in, pardon the pun. Because Lockett's small. Lockett, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a little shovel pass that counts the pass to him. I also wouldn't be surprised if they do the old school, just sort of hut the ball and snap it right away to fucking, uh, to the corner. You know? Just right away, bam. I know, three and a half, the number's low. Marshall... Look, Marshall was targeted six times last week, so it's not like they're not going to throw the ball to Brandon Marshall. Lockett is the go-to guy, but I can live with the Marshall prop. But we're gonna let's go with Lockett here. Jordan Howard, three and a half receptions. Jordan Howard caught five balls last week on five targets. Doesn't mean he's going to do it again this week. He's three and a half. Allen Robinson, four and a half. Allen Robinson last week had. Uh, he had four catches. All right, so you know what? We only have a minute uh, minute left uh, here. So um, we're going to take the Seattle Seahawks, guys. I'm not going to take them on the money line. I'm tempted to take them on the money line, but I'm not going to. It's plus 175 because if the Chicago – I could see the Chicago Bears winning the game, but not by five. I think it'll be a close game. Maybe Chicago need to learn how to win. They don't know how to win games yet. So they're going to have to learn that they can play well, but they're going to be able to pull away. I'm not so sure. Give me the Seattle Seahawks plus four and a half. Give me Tyler Lockett over three and a half receptions. And give me long field goal over 44 and a half. I appreciate everybody tuning in on the radio, on iTunes, on iHeart, wherever uh, you do. Scout Radio coming up next. Thanks to the crew in Studio 34. Other than that, you're on your own. May the winners be yours. Seahawks plus the points. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 fantasy sports radio network.